Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show with Tony D'Urso. Tony will have a conversation today with one of the world's great influencers as they showcase the newest, hottest, and best trends from all walks of life. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome. Thanks for joining in with us. Today, we're going to give you some pointers on chasing your dreams, or better yet, on creating your dream, or even better yet, how about creating and putting your vision into reality? It's a big topic, and we're going to take a swipe at it from another point of view. We're going to teach you about becoming a good leader with Rick Keller. Get ready to look at accomplishing your dreams like you never looked at it before. And later in this episode, we have an insider's brief about taking control of your financial future, no matter what age you are. Here's a few secrets for safe money and a fabulous future. Stay tuned for that. And also, please listen for news from our sponsor, Fabulous Meals, who has a special offer just for you. Factor Meals provides the best healthy lunches and dinners for you. Delicious. I've enjoyed them thoroughly, and I want to introduce you to something great. This show is available because of them, so please take note and hear what they have to say. That's Factor Meals with a special offer for you later in this episode. And while we're at it, This is all about helping you and your friends turn your vision into reality. We want to help you get very successful at growing your business to a high level. And we're going to help turn you into an elite entrepreneur. Meet Rick Keller. He's a former congressman who served eight years in the U.S. House of Representatives. And he chaired the House Higher Education Subcommittee. And he served on the Judiciary and Education Committees. Today, he's an attorney, a writer, humorist motivational speaker, and television commentator. Now, his TEDx talk, The Power of Self-Deprecating Humor, it was the sixth most watched TEDx talk in the world in May 2022, and I've asked him to teach me how to make my show go that viral. Let's get into it and learn. Hi, Rick. Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Rick, I've been waiting for this interview because I want to be a better leader just like everyone else in my audience. And I know you've got a long, is the word illustrious career. So let's uh, do the short version. How did it all start for you? What's your backstory? Well, it all started for me. I didn't have enough money to go to college. I was raised by a single mom and had three kids. And after saving up and, and Pell Grants and student loans, I was still short. And so my mom said, well, you know, my boss has me type up checks to, for the company to give to charitable contributions, why don't you ask Mr. Overstreet if the company would make a charitable contribution to send you to college? And he was 81 years old, the CEO of a company. I was 17. So I went and made my pitch to Mr. Overstreet. And I said, I, I want to go to college so bad. It's not going to be throwing money down the drain. And if you just have your company take a chance on me, I'll, I'll be top of my class. It won't be a waste. And he said, well, son, I'm just the CEO of the company. I have a board of directors to answer to. But if you come back Tuesday, I will give you the answer. And so the big day came. I didn't sleep for almost a day and a half. And I went there and I was nervous. And I sat down in his big office and he said, well, the board met this morning. And the answer is the company will not help you uh, pay for college. And it's nothing personal, Rick. It's just that if we did that for you, the board said we would have to do that for everybody. And so my intuition was just to be grateful that he even tried, this 81-year-old man. So I said, well, Mr. Overstreet, thank you so much for, for trying. You, you didn't have to do that. And 
as I was speaking, I saw myself in that same little restaurant as a short order cook and all my friends going to college and I wasn't, I just started crying and I, uh, I couldn't help it. And, and tears are coming down my face. And he said, son, you can wipe the tears away. Uh, I said, the company couldn't put you through college. I didn't say that I couldn't. And with that, he stroked the check and sent me to college. And four years later, I was up on the stage and I graduated um, first in my class and that got me a scholarship to Vanderbilt Law School. He lived just long enough to see me graduate uh, from Vanderbilt. And so a few years later, I had the happy privilege of getting elected to the United States Congress. And I used my election night speech to thank him. And nobody had known that story and it was an emotional turning point. And I had no way of knowing that night on the stage is that I would go on to be the chairman of the higher education subcommittee and use that position to increase Pell Grants, which is college aid. And as a result of increasing that aid that I fought for by 62 percent, five and a half million additional students got a chance to go to college. Poor kids like me. And so literally that one man, that one act of kindness, no press release, no nothing had impacted five and a half million lives. And I was so inspired by what he did for me. I wanted to do that for other people. That story just gives me chills. I think about my college days. I had to put myself through and work. I'm sure many of us did. It's grueling. What a story. I'm just, I'm almost speechless from that. That is absolutely amazing. What a Good fortune there. Yes, absolutely. Good man. And from there, Rick, you became a congressman. You, you went into running a business, as I understand it, and you helped people achieve big dreams. How did that vision evolve? And how did that fit in with this? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a partner in a, a law firm. And how that came about is when I was 14 years old, I met my dad for the very first time. My folks divorced before I was a year old. And in that first meeting, he handed me this little paperback book that it was his favorite book. And it was called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And I know a lot of people uh, are familiar with this this great self-help book. And I really wasn't ready to call him dad yet. It was kind of a stranger to me. But three years later, I I was. And I, I used that three years to read this book six times. And so when I graduated from high school, even though I was a very mediocre student, I decided to do this experiment where I had set this goal to graduate first in my class, as I promised Mr. Overstreet, and uh, using the formula in this book, and it happened. And then I set a goal to get elected to the United States Congress, and that happened. And as I got older in my 50s, I thought, what if I could write a little book that would change people's lives just like that book changed mine? And so I wanted to write a book that had the same secret formula in there, but had girl power stories for young ladies to be inspired. I wanted to have lots of humor to make it easy to read. And rather than talk about people in the 1800s, like Andrew Carnegie and Henry Ford, I wanted to talk about modern day people that that you would know, and Oprah and Dolly Parton and um, Jim Carrey and Steve Harvey and other folks. And so that was sort of the inspiration that that made me want to write this book. Chase the Bears. Chase the Bears. Chase the Bears. Amazing. Now. We, you know, a lot of us, most of us, we're, we're in it for the money. We have, we need money to survive. And I like to go and get beyond money, so to speak. I want to drill down. Why do you do what you do? Why are you helping people with this? What's your purpose on this? I feel like at this point in my life, my purpose, my whole mission in life is to lift people up and bring them together. 
that's what gives me more joy than anything. There was a part of my life, I would say the first couple decades after graduating law school, where I felt like I want to get the trophies and I want to achieve and, and make a difference. And at this point, I'm not interested in the trophies. I'm interested in helping other people get the trophies. And so you mentioned the title, Chase the Bears. The um, People will always ask me, where's that title come from? Why well, I had written this book and I didn't have a name yet. And I was sitting there having coffee and reading the newspaper one morning with my wife, Lori. And we looked outside our window and there was this family of bears that came running by. And it was a mama bear and three little cubs. It was unusual because we lived a mile or two from the woods. And without saying anything, we both just jumped up and ran outside and started chasing these bears because we wanted to continue this magnificent experience. There was three cute little cubs that we've never seen look like they're four or five weeks old. And so we never caught them. And afterwards I said, Lori, you know, that, that may be a pretty dumb thing we just did there uh, because I'm in Florida and Florida black bears, they mind their own business, not like a grizzly bear. Um, unless they feel threatened or you chase their cubs. And of course, of course, that's just what we did. And they run about 35 miles an hour. An Olympic sprinter only runs 28 miles an hour. And so if that mama bear wanted to come catch us, she, she could have, or, or at least Lori, I think I could outrun Lori. And I said, you know, that was nuts. But at the same time, isn't that sort of a metaphor, Lori? Because most people in that situation would stay inside and play it safe and look out their window as life passes them by and eventually the clock runs out. But some people go for it. They, they chase their dreams. They chase the bears. And Lori said, that's it, Rick. That's, that's the name of your book. I like that story. And I like bears, by the way. That's <laughs> my last name in the Italian of the bear, D'Urso. Oh, cool. Very interesting. So anything bear, you can see see my bear here on the yes, backdrop. Yes. Uh, so I'm all about bears. And we're talking about becoming a good leader with Rick Keller. And you can find him at rickkeller.net. I'll spell that. Rick is R-I-C. It's the spelling you'll always remember now. R-I-C-K-E-L-L-E-R.net. Rickkeller.net. Rick, let's get into your vision path here and what you've been doing we are all entrepreneurs and business owners here. We just talked about and introduced your new book, Chase the Bears. It's all about chasing our dreams, achieving our dreams, and becoming a good leader while doing so. So let's start here. You saw the mama bear and the three cubs running off, and you got out instinctively to chase them. You know, one day we were in the forest, and we saw mama bear and two baby bears, and we, got, we kept getting closer and closer until 100 feet. And then we realized that that was the threshold of comfort. And then the mama bear turned and started walking to us. So we walked away, never got chased, never got hurt. But it's just something about the bear, I guess, is where I'm going. But now your analogy here is that that bear is what we want. Is that what we're chasing here, chasing our dream, Rick? Yeah. Chasing the bears is a metaphor for chasing your dreams. And it's funny you said that because as a condition of my marriage, my wife made me write the epilogue to say to people, I'm not advocating that you go in the woods and chase down bears and don't want them to get the bad uh, impression, she said. So I had to make really crystal clear that it's a metaphor that, that I'm talking about. And so the, the subtitle of the book is Little Things to Achieve Big Dreams. And essentially, I, I feel like in some ways with, with my rise and, and going through life that I've been to hell and back and I, and I took notes 
And the one thing I knew for sure is that there are some little things that, that you can do to achieve your dreams that are game-changing. And so I wanted to write about some of those things to help people achieve their dreams. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues, Becoming a Good Leader with Rick Keller. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Hey, you're a busy entrepreneur like me. It doesn't matter if we work from home, at the office, or we're doing our calls on the go. We're busy. I know that. And with that comes poor eating habits, right? You know what I mean. So let me help you out a little bit. During this prime spring season, you need wholesome, good, convenient meals to energize you and keep you on track reaching your goals. Let me tell you about Factor. It's America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit and it can help you fuel up fast with ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You're going to save time, and you're going to be able to tackle much more on your to-do list. So if you're too busy to cook this May, with Factor, you can just skip going to the grocery store completely. Skip all that chopping and prepping and cleaning and all that stuff. And just so you know, it's always fresh, never frozen. Factor meals are ready in just two minutes. All you have to do is heat, and enjoy, and then go back outside, go have your fun, go back to work, or doing whatever you're doing. And the food is really tasty. I just want you to know, so if you're looking for the calorie-conscious options, you got it. And Factor Meals are dietitian approved calorie-smart meals. They're about plus or minus 550 calories per serving. And it's going to give you an extra boost of energy, because it's going to be the good stuff that you need. And their Protein Plus meals have 30 grams of protein or more per serving. I just absolutely love their salmon. So tasty. Amazing. And you can get from keto to calorie smart vegan plus veggie and Protein Plus and so many good choices with this. And again, each meal has all the ingredients that you need to feel satisfied all day long while meeting your goals or having a little fun. And with over 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. So if you want to budget this month by cutting back on takeout, get Factor instead. It's faster than takeout. It's more economical. It's more fun. And you can have the meal ready to eat, piping hot in just two minutes. It's amazing. So let's do this. Head to factormeals.com Tony40 and use code T-O-N-Y-4-0 to get 40% off your first box. That's code TONY40 at factormeals.com slash TONY40 to get 40% off your first box. And I'll spell it F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash T-O-N-Y-4-0. Hey, delicious quality meals ready to eat. What are you waiting for? Please make a note to do that today. You're listening to The Tony D'Urso Show with Tony D'Urso. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyD'Urso.com. Now, back to The Tony D'Urso Show. All right, we're back on The Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is 
Becoming a Good Leader with Rick Keller. And just a quick thank you that I sincerely appreciate you listening to my weekly shows with today's lead entrepreneurs. And if you like this show, please consider going to Apple Podcasts and give a cool review. Look up the Tony D'Urso Show and drop a kind one. Thank you so much for listening. And now back to the chat with Rick. Rick, I'm going to ask you about those little things. But before I do that, what is the goal or the message that you want to get across from people reading your book? What would you like someone to do? They read your book and do what? Where would the person be going? Well, my book is similar to the book uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul and that the person who reads it is going to find a lot of touching and uh, positive stories, a lot with humor too. It's going to make you laugh or cry in a, in a positive way. What makes it different for the reader is that it has that how-to component. It not only inspires you to, to do great things, it shows you how to do it. It gives you a three-step formula that you can use to actually achieve your dreams. And so that's what makes it a little different. So the ideal thing for me would be for someone to read this book and they're inspired and they decide, you know what, I'm I'm actually going to use my gifts here. I'm going to give the the gifts that I've been getting given from God or the universe, whatever you want to call it, in, in terms of your special skill or talent. And I'm I'm going to do that. And I'm going to take baby steps in the direction of my dreams and I'm going to make it happen. And so I wanted people to know that if you are moving in the direction of your dreams, that you are you're doing it for the greater good, then then you're going to stumble, but you're not going to fail. You're not going to fail. And so I wrote about uh, a lot of people and I'll give you like a one minute summary of of what I'm talking about here. And that is Walt Disney. Um, was fired when he was 22. They said he wasn't creative enough. And Martin Luther King Jr. got a C in public speaking from his seminary teacher, said he wasn't a good enough speaker. And Michael Jordan was cut from his high school uh, basketball team. And Oprah was demoted and told she was unfit for television news. And the Beatles were rejected by the first record label, said they didn't have what it takes to make it in business. And the guy I mentioned about chicken soup for the soul. His name is Jack Canfield out in California. He was rejected 144 times before the 145th publisher said yes. And now he's in the Guinness Book of World Records. He had seven books on the bestseller list on the same day. And, um, and he sold 500 million copies. And there's a common denominator with each one of those people and that each one of them were using their God-given gifts for their greater good. And so they all stumbled. They all had critics along the way, but they all achieved their goals. And, and I want the reader to know the same thing can happen to them. That is very inspirational. And uh, I've interviewed Jack Canfield and the editor and publisher, as well as Mark Victor Hansen. And as I recall, you're a contributing writer for several of those books as well. It's quite something. And what I've read from you and heard in your speeches, you've You've really got some great stories and some great lessons. I encourage everyone to check out more about you so that they can understand another dynamic of what you do. And that's you're very motivational and inspirational. I mentioned that I wanted to ask you about the little things that we can do to achieve big dreams. Can you tell us some of those? First and foremost is to use your gifts. Um, your mission in life is to use your gifts to make other people's lives better. And 
the question becomes, well, what is my, my gift? You know, I, I'm, I'm struggling with it. Well, your gift is that thing that is very easy for you. That's hard for other people. It's the thing that you're very good at. The thing that you love doing, the thing that when you start doing this, you feel like about a six, but 45 minutes later, you feel a 10 and time flies. And it's the thing you would do for free that comes easy for you. It's the thing you do the absolute best with the least amount of effort. And the important thing is, is to stay in your lane and use your gifts. To give you an example, Albert Einstein, a PhD in physics, won a Nobel Prize in physics. What if instead he decided, you know, I, I think I'm going to become a professional bull rider. Well, he would have been E equals MC squared on his butt in less than eight seconds. That's, that's not his gift. Just like Kelly Clarkson has a beautiful voice. She, she's not meant to work at dad's accounting firm. She's meant to use her gifts. And so the most important thing I would say to people is use your gifts. And I don't come at that with a high and mighty perspective. I, I come to this position as someone who's really screwed it up. You know, I wanted to make my parents proud. And so I told them I was going to be a doctor and I, I went off to college and I was first in my class and I took organic chemistry and physics and really for selfish reasons, I volunteered at a hospital because I wanted to look good on my med school application my senior year. And I found out I hated it. I hated everything about it. I hate the sight of blood and the x-rays of broken bones and the cranky patients and the smell of the hospital. And I wasn't a big fan of science anyway. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I've got a, a big problem here because the things that come easy to me are communicating and humor and, and explaining complex things very simply. And that those are my gifts. And so I had to choose between logic, which says, go ahead and go to med school anyway. It's what everybody wants. Or my intuition says, no, why don't you, you use your gifts and, um, and use your speaking skills and become a lawyer or politician. And it was a real hard decision for me. It took me a year to come to that decision. Uh, I was in agony. I had to get a job in between college and law school. And I, what finally broke the ties, I found myself in a bar uh, in the Pocono Mountains for the first time. And I was just saying, God, give me a, give me a sign here. I, I, need, I need help. And I looked on the, the wall and there was a poster of a politician who was having a barbecue the next day with free food. And I said, that's it. That's it. That's the universe telling me to use my gifts. And, and I made my decision there to use my gifts for the greater good. And I decided I wanted to go into politics and help poor kids go to college. And I could still help people without being a doctor. And from the moment I made that decision, doors just started opening up for me. I got into Vanderbilt. I got a great job. I had every break go my way when it came to running for Congress. And I just want to encourage people to, to have the courage to use your gifts too. Even, even if it's not something your parents want or your wife want or your friends want, do, do what you want. Rick, you know, it is amazing. As you mentioned here, there you are sitting in a bar and you ask God for help. And it's just amazing. It's just that simple. When we ask for it, we actually get it. I know so many stories of people that when you're earnest and genuine about really trying to get through, the answer comes. And that is absolutely amazing story. I absolutely love that. But one thing I think about, and, and I say this personally, I could never figure out for a long time what my gift was. Some of us is like, what's our gift? What is it? And I kind of look at it when I talk to people about it. It's 
doing that that you love to do that you would love for free. But that doesn't quite fully answer the gift, but it kind of answers the what, could, what should I do for uh, for work or what should I do in my life? If you love it so much, you'll get up every morning and do it just because you enjoy it. Then you know you're on to something. But it's not quite what our gift is. So I like to kind of focus on that. How do we know what our gift really is? You mentioned a couple of points, but I want to drill down on that. So here's an example. And I talk about Steve Harvey's story in my book. And um most people know Steve Harvey as the game show host um, for Family Feud, but his story is pretty inspirational in that he couldn't even talk until he's 15. He had a severe stutter, and one day his teacher asked him, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And all the kids in his class were putting fireman or firefighter or a doctor, and he wrote, I, I want to be on TV. And he was in sixth grade, and the teacher called him into the class and said, that's, you know, ridiculous. You know, why don't you set a realistic goal? And he went home and, and the teacher had already told his mom what happened. And the mom was like, why don't you set a realistic goal? And the dad said, you know, what's, what's wrong with that? You know, and write that down, read that piece of paper every, every day, every morning. And he did for 10 years and, and he got a break when he was 27 years old. And for the first time he went to a comedy club and he won this little prize. It was only 50 bucks, but he said, like, I, I was born tonight. This is what I'm supposed to do. And he decided he wanted to take a chance and he did, but it was costly. He was homeless for three years as he went from comedy club to comedy club and then got a big break when they invited him to be on a, a show in New York and uh, he did well. And then they offered him the hosting job and he's been on TV ever since. So here's something significant. The key in every step was using his gifts. At one point in his life, he was a comedian and he was using his gifts. And then another point in life, he had a Steve Harvey talk show, his own talk show when he's interviewing and talking to people and he was using his gifts. And now he's a game show host who's using his gifts and gives lots of inspirational, humorous speeches. We're talking about four separate different jobs, but the common denominator was using your gifts. And the same thing for me, uh, I, I think it's most important to use your gifts every day. I'm not really concerned about your current job title. So when I was a U.S. congressman, I was using my gifts every day. As a trial lawyer, I used my gifts every day. As someone who writes books and does public speaking, I use my gifts. That, to me, is the most important thing. Figure out your gifts and then use it. It doesn't mean you have to do that same job the rest of your life or you need a certain title. Just use your gifts. And if you do... It'll be like a stream that flows downstream. And, and when you don't use your gifts, it's going to be like paddling upstream and you're going to be depressed. And, and so the biggest first decision, I think, is using your gifts. And the next big decision is taking some chances on moving in the direction of your gifts. And there's some things you can do to do that the right way. Well, let's kind of get into that because I did want to ask you about taking what we call educated risks. And frankly, any kind of a risk is, well, Rick, it's a risk. A risk is a risk and risks are scary. So how do we take an educated risk and uh, survive is, <laughs> survive better than we think we would? Hey, I know it's scary out there. You know, I have been humiliated. I've been beaten. I've been shot at. And that's just from my wife after the last boys weekend. So I, I know I know it can be scary out there. Uh the key thing on risk is this. It, we all have fears of fear of being 
rejected or fear of, of failing or fear of people laughing at us. The most important thing to do in terms of taking risks is to take educated baby step risks that are aligned with your gifts. And so I know that's a mouthful. So let me just give you a, a simple example so I can um, hopefully communicate it better. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues, Becoming a Good Leader with Rick Keller. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. You're listening to the Tony D'Urso Show with Tony D'Urso. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyD'Urso.com. Now, back to the Tony D'Urso Show. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Becoming a Good Leader with Rick Keller. And if you like this show so far, please remember our sponsor who made it all possible. Factor Meals provides the best lunches and dinners for you. Delicious. Find them at factormeals.com slash Tony40. You'll do that, won't you? Make a note of it. Thanks so much. And now back to the chat with Rick. I decided I wanted to get a 4.0 in college, but I was a very mediocre student. And so I'm not going to show up on college campus and take 18 hours of organic chemistry and physics and calculus and all this stuff that's really not my gifts. So what I did is I took that big goal and I broke it down into a little goal of having a 4.0 that semester. And it was realistic. And then I said, okay, how am I going to get a 4.0 as a guy who's never made straight A's in his life? And I'm like, okay, I'm only going to take 14 hours, not 18. And these were the classes I took. Badminton and softball and public speaking and general speech and sociology and psychology. I picked the six easiest classes and the things that are very, very easy for me. It's, I was an athlete and captain my football team. It's very easy for me to play badminton or softball. It's very easy for me to do public speaking courses. And sociology and psychology are so fascinating. And so I got a 4.0. And the next semester, I said, okay, I'm going to do the same thing, just a little bit more. And so instead of 14 hours, I did 15 hours. And instead of public speaking, I did advanced public speaking. And I was moving along. And, and that success that first year gave me the confidence to slowly increase and have little little baby steps in the direction of my dreams. And that's really what big success is. It's just an aggregate of little victories all strewn together. And the biggest screw up I see, and we're about to see it with, with New Year's resolutions, is people set these massive, ridiculous goals. And it's, it's January 1st, I'm going to go on a crash diet and lose 50 pounds. I'm going to work out 90 minutes a day. And you know, Bill Gates has got billions. Why can't I have billions? You know, and it's and we know that scientists have even predicted this year people are going to quit on January 13th. There's only a, a fixed amount of time when you have these these huge goals because that you can't do it forever. You can't live with it. It's so frustrating. And then you feel like a failure. Then you beat yourself up. 
And so what I would say to that person who wants to lose 50 pounds, I would say, how about we set a goal for the first week of jogging five minutes a day? How about that? And how about week two, we do 10 minutes a day and that's it. And then week three, three minutes a day. And what would happen to that person at the end of the third week is they're going to keep a little chart and they're going to be successful a hundred percent of the time. And they're moving in the direction of their dreams. And I use that particular example as someone who's done it. Um, when, when I was in Congress, I was in my fourth term and I was going to cocktail parties and, and eating out all the time. And I just ballooned to my the biggest weight I've ever been. And it was so sad because I used to be a jock. And I went to a nutritionist and she said, no, we're going to do 1800 calories a day because I want you to live with it. You're only going to lose two pounds at most in a week. And she put me on this plan of five minutes a day of exercise. Well, I lost two pounds that week and next week, 10 minutes, et cetera. And um, after three months, I was up to running an hour a day by that increase. And at the end of a year, I stepped on a scale and I lost 100 pounds. But it was baby steps, baby steps. And that's what I would like to see people do with their goal setting because they're going to be successful. They're going to have confidence. They're going to be encouraged to do more. And it's something they can live with. Absolutely amazing. I love that gradient, simple little steps to accomplishing something big. I like that a lot. Now, I incidentally got a 4.0 in my college and university career. It was quite something. It was quite a lot of work, very hard. I did it a different way. When I had a choice, I would always pick whatever class resonated the best with me. You don't always have a choice on stuff, but um, that's absolutely an amazing story. I really like that. That shows if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish actually literally anything. And now I want to talk about people, because you are very good at connecting with people and you're an advocate of humor as a secret weapon. Let's talk about that. I think self-deprecating humor is a secret weapon because it relaxes people. It helps you deflect criticism. It builds rapport, but it's very seldom used, I find. And, And the reason is it's somewhat counterintuitive because from the time we're young, we've been told to put this perfect image out to the outside world. Take it till you make it, put your best foot forward, never let them see you sweat. And the truth, in my view, is exactly the opposite of that. The truth is you connect with people by being vulnerable and authentic and real. And it takes a heck of a lot of heck of a lot of self-confidence to use self-deprecating humor. Because what you're essentially saying is, look, I know that I'm flawed and I'm not perfect, but I also know I'm a good guy and I believe in myself, and you should believe in me too. And a perfect example of that, if I can give one, is is Abraham Lincoln. He was running for political office, and in a debate, his opponent uh, called him two-faced. And Abe Lincoln says, two-faced? If I had two faces, do you think I'd be wearing this one? And now that face is on Mount Rushmore, you know, and studies have shown that self-deprecating humor works, especially it works with high-level people, especially with a CEO or a leader, because it minimizes the status differences between the leader and the rank and file and helps them connect. And so there was a study I talked about in my, in my TEDx talk where a very clever business professor at Seattle University did an experiment, and she had a CEO introduce a new employee to the rest of the team. And the first time the CEOs use self-deprecating humor and says, I'm so glad Pat joined our team despite knowing everything about me. And the second time, negative humor. I'm so glad Pat joined this team despite knowing everything about you. 
And third time, no humor. I'm so glad Pat joined this team. And what the study showed is that the CEO who used self-deprecating humor was found to have better leadership skills, more trustworthy, and more likable. The guy who used negative humor was ranked worse than everybody, even the guy who used no humor. And the reason, the conclusion is that it minimizes the status differences. It says, hey, you know, I'm a person too, and, and we're all in this together. And the most successful politicians have, have always done that. Um, JFK is one I'm really proud of. Uh, everybody was saying that his dad was buying him the election, his wealthy father. And, and so he gave a speech and he pulled a note out of his pocket and he said, I just got this telegraph for my dad. It said, son, don't buy one more vote than is necessary. I will be damned if I'm going to pay for a landslide. And he connected with people. So here, this good-looking, perfect, wealthy, powerful guy it's got people loving him because he's saying, I, I'm just a regular person. I, I, I know this is what you think, and I can poke fun of it, too. I like that. That's great. And that TED Talk, if I, if I didn't mention it before, is really great. Again, something else I encourage everyone to go check out. Part of this, Rick, is the self-deprecating humor minimizes the distance or the space between where you are or where you think you are and the top of the company, the chief, or wherever you are, kind of closes that gap makes everything more personal. And it seems to be more conducive to getting better at your work, better job, better production out of the company. Is that something that you also use in networking when you go out there, you're at your parties, your clubs, you're you're at your meets and so forth? Do you do that all the time when you meet people, introduce them? Or could you perhaps give us some good networking tips right now? Sure. I'll give you, uh, and yes, I do use it. And I'll give you three networking tips. And the the theme of good networking is thinking long-term, playing the long game and not some short-term thing of what can you do for me as quickly as possible. And so the three rules to help you accomplish and be successful networking, number one is when you have a new contact, I would have no ask for one year, no ask. Because if you, if you meet someone and all of a sudden you're asking them for a favor, they probably don't want to do it, but even if they do do it, they're going to feel used. And so they're not going to do it again. So I take the pressure off the relationship by when you meet someone, don't, don't ask them for anything for a year. The second thing I would say is have some mutual benefit to that person. So you may say, well, man, I, I want to network with this person who's rich and famous and powerful. What can I possibly do for them? Well, there are things you can do. Um, sweat equity. If that person's famous, you could write an article. Uh, offer to write an article where you do all the work and, they, and their name is on it too. Or maybe they're a CEO, but you're pretty good at working out and they need to lose some weight. You can give them some tips there. And in my personal case, the way I broke into politics was um, Jeb Bush was a young guy running for um, office for the first time and rich and powerful. And I'm just a little young lawyer, but I had a sense of humor and uh, I thought some of his speeches were good, but a bit dry. And so I wrote a joke on the back of a business card and I handed it to him. And that joke became the opening line for every stump speech when he ran for office. And by the way, the line was, one of my opponents has accused me of running on my father's coattails. Well, to show that I'm running on my own merits, I've decided to go ahead and change my last name. I don't know what I'm changing it to yet, but it's either going to be Reagan or Eisenhower. Well, that was just a little thing, but in that established a relationship um, with the person who became the governor. The third thing is, Hang out with very high quality people that you would hang out with, even if they can never help you at all. Because the worst case scenario, when you pick high quality people to hang out long term, 
is you haven't wasted any time because they're the people that you want to hang out with anyway. And so those three things are the keys to networking. And I try to, in my book, just like uh, Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen and other folks that you've, you've interviewed, I try to use storytelling to explain these, um, these universal truths. And so in the networking chapter, I'll, I'll tell you an example of a, of a story of a young lady who did all three of those things, did everything right. And the, the crux of that story is I was giving a speech to a woman's lawyers group. And this lady came up to me afterwards and she said, uh, she was a young lawyer, says, uh, Congressman, my mom is in prison and in a Vietnam prison. She's been there over a year and I've never asked you for anything, uh, but I really need your help here. I need your help bad. And, and I said, what happened? And long story short, was she went over there for a wedding. And as she's driving down the road, she was pulled over and put in jail. And the reason was she gave an interview where she said, I think there should be free elections in Vietnam and every communist country. And they thought that was equivalent to terrorism. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues, Becoming a Good Leader with Rick Keller. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You're listening to The Tony D'Urso Show with Tony D'Urso. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyD'Urso.com. Now, back to The Tony D'Urso Show. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Becoming a Good Leader with Rick Keller. And you know, you can check out my lead entrepreneur interviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can find and listen to just about every interview I ever recorded at TonyDurso.com slash podcast. And I do mean all seven years of interviews are found on the Master Archives at TonyDurso.com slash podcast. And now back to the chat with Rick. And so she contacted me. I told her, I don't know why I said this, but my intuition said, said it, that we're going to have your mom home by Thanksgiving. And I went to Washington. I found out we had leverage. There was a piece of legislation, a trade bill that was worth $10 billion to Vietnam. And I put a hold on it in the House. And Senator Mel Martinez, who's senator from Florida, put a hold on it in the Senate. And shortly thereafter, a guard appeared at this lady's uh, jail cell door. Her name is Cook Boche. And the guard said, you look, you look sick, Cook. She said, I'm not sick. He said, no, you, you look sick. We're sending you home to America. And it was just a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving. And uh, it was emotional homecoming. And that happened 17 years ago. And every November 12, uh, every morning, every year, I get a ding on my iPhone and it's always a text from her daughter, Liz. And it says, thank you. This is the day you saved my mom's life. Liz did all three of those things, networking. She didn't ask for anything for a year. She hung out with very high quality people who were able to introduce her to Mel Martinez and myself when, when the chips are down. They wanted to help her. 
and she was doing things that were mutually beneficial. She's like, I want to make you, thank you guys so much. I want to make you guys look good. I'm going to tell the story to everyone and, and, and the world. And all three of those things literally helped freed a woman from jail. And so she said, thank you. You're the one that saved my mom's life. I didn't save her life. Liz saved her mom's life. It was her excellent networking skills that saved her mom's life. That is such a great story. It gave me chills. Rick, you are such a great storyteller. And it's true. It's not telling the story. It's, it's telling the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I like that a lot. Once again, everyone, we spoke about becoming a good leader with Rick Keller. He's at rickkeller.net. And there's some great information here. I learned stuff here on this interview. I just absolutely love it. Rick, I just want to thank you so much for sharing with us today. It was Oh, I, I'm trying to think of the word, just a really good and excellent, a definitive interview in terms of being a good leader. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, thank you, Tony. And I would just say to your leaders, or your, your listeners and, and your viewers, that my hope for you is that when you get the choice in life and you come to a crossroads and you have the choice between playing it safe or chasing the bears, chase the freaking bears. <laughs> I love it. Thank you again. Thank you, Tony. And here's an insider's brief about taking control of your financial future. Now, no matter what age you are, we've got a few secrets for safe money and a fabulous future. We speak with Chris Miller, Legacy Wealth Strategist. She's also known as the Money Maestro. Hi, Chris, and welcome to the show. Well, hi, Tony. It's an honor and pleasure to be here. Thank you. Chris, what we're going to talk about is near and dear to the hearts of all many which is politically correct. Everybody listening to this, it's definitely going to be near and dear to our hearts. So we're going to talk about, you've got some secrets and you've got some things up your sleeves. Perhaps let's start from the top. You know, it's not a secret. There's a current economic climate of stock market uncertainty. There's rising inflation. There's high interest rates. What would you say is the most critical aspect of securing our financial future? Great question, Tony. And it's just take a moment right now and stop, look, and listen. Because where is your money right now? Your 401k and your IRA, all of those big nest eggs are in risk. Right. And there are actually places that you can put a bottom on your money and never lose your principal. That's right. I've been doing this for 32 years. No one on my watch has ever lost a dime. Now, I've done over 6,000 revocable living trusts, and a good chunk of those people have done safe money strategies with me. Can you imagine never losing a dime in the market and creating an income you'll never outlive? That's a shocker all by itself. And I know you have the testimonials and you've got the proof for it, but let's kind of explain this a little bit more. And one thing I think about is this if you could explain this concept of what I believe is called crash-proofing finances, and how that could help protect our assets during market downturns? Very good, because the crash-proof, everybody's got to do that. And so I'm taking what they call the secrets of the 1%, right? Which isn't really secret. Nobody's talking about it. Literally, when I started three decades ago and I lost money, I did not like that experience. So it pushed me into researching safe money, that there are actually places that we can put our money, that the money will come out 
tax-free. That's right. You heard me right. And I found out, I'll tell you straight, at 58, I was so mad. I was determined, you know what? I'm going to tell millions of people about this. There are ways that you can literally use the life insurance chassis to get use the death benefit while you are alive in tax-free income, long-term care, catastrophic coverages. It's amazing. Now, as you unroll that, it's not that I'm so smart. I've done this three decades with over 6,000 clients. And what I noticed is most people will come into my office at 50, 60, 70, and start their retirement plan. Like, what is wrong with this, right? And I realized, oh, you go to school, you learn how to make money, you get out of school, and what do you do? You go make money and give your money to somebody else to gamble. And that's what I saw because I had the first decade, the end of the 90s, 91, 92, and the end of the decades, people lost their money. Then the next decade, people were living off the interest of their money. And then the third decade, well, you know, we know the story of 2008. And it's so sad to see people come in, say, uh, they're, you know, 60, 70, I've lost 40, 60% of my pension. What am I going to do? So I show people how to take those same assets and reposition them in safe money strategies where you never lose a dime. And there are two other, you know, I say three secrets, you know, in my number one bestselling book. I say three secrets for safe money and a fabulous future. And it really is the secrets of the 1% that nobody has talked about. So the other two really important is making sure you have the right legal documents. Now, we're living in a crazy world. You need a living trust. You have assets. You need a living trust. Even if you don't have money, you need a power of attorney for health care. Remember where we just came out of, right? Uh, yeah, nobody even wants to hear the word, right? But everybody had some medical challenges. And if you don't have those documents in place, then you end up being a victim of the, of the system and you can't control your own destiny. So making sure you have the living trust avoids probate, conservatorship. Oh, guardianship. Here's one for you when you're 20, 30 years old. You just like think you're never going to die. At least I did. And mom and dad go out to dinner and don't come back. Who's going to take care of the kids? right? So these are very important things to have. I, I laugh and I make it healthy and happy because fear, there's a lot of fear around money, but fear will stop you from making a move. So I like to empower people to make a change and make healthy money for a happy life. And the third one, right, is catastrophic illness. Yes, that's the same story we just went through. But honestly, two-thirds of all the matters that go into court are like for probate, right? So living trusts are really important. Now we have a catastrophic illness. Seven out of 10 people over 65 end up in a nursing home. And those are stats before the pandemic. So what are you going to do? And this is what I saw. Actually, most people, and this I could almost cry. Most people end up, and I don't know the percentage, Tony, but most people end up losing their money before they pass on, either in a nursing home, probate courts, or the Great Recession. And to me, that's, you spend your whole life making the money. Now you want to take the time to look at what I'm talking about and learn about safe money. I've got tons of courses and trainings and, and 
financial fitness strategies that I share with people, but it is 911. That's why my podcast is called Money 911. It used to be called Ready, Set, Retire, like, you know, you're all kicked back. We're going to retire. But now it's like, Tony, it is 911. And I don't want to say this like laughing, but there's millions of people about to go off a cliff and nobody's telling them. They're actually hurting them off that way. Come on, people, just keep going there. Take a moment and listen to what I'm saying to learn the safe monies for your fabulous future. So true, so true. As you're saying all this, Chris, I'm thinking many years ago when my parents passed on, they didn't ha- they weren't set up this way and it was a disaster as well as a heartache with the family, different different uh, personalities trying to do different things. It just wasn't good. And even recently, last year, one of my good friends passed suddenly, unexpectedly, had nothing prepared. And today, over a year and several months later, his sister is still trying to pick up the pieces. It's just, it's a nightmare when this happens. We do think that things will go on in perpetuity. And I could just, I could spend time just telling story after story of just friends and family that have run into this. It is no secret, yet we've heard these words. And so I urge our listeners, take some action because, you know, unless you want really want to hear, hear me do a couple of shows on how serious this is and how bad it can be. And it's not that, it's not costly and it's not very difficult at all to protect ourselves, right? With, with a living trust that everything can be nicely uh, planned. I, maybe I'm using the wrong words, but it's a matter of planning for something. And I guess because things can happen unexpectedly. And to find out more about Chris, please head over to healthymoneyhappylife.com. That's four different words, healthymoneyhappylife.com. And check to see how well you're protected and reach out to Chris and have a chat with her. She's extremely helpful. And reach out to Chris and she only sees your benefit and she operates from that point of view. I love it. It's very refreshing. Chris, I want to thank you so much for being on our show in the Insider's Brief section. And I'm probably going to have to have you back. There's just so much more to talk about. Thank you so much, Chris. Tony, it's an honor and pleasure to be here. Thank you. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me while I featured an elite entrepreneur who took his vision to reality. We discussed becoming a good leader with Rick Keller. We talked about his new book, Chase the Bears. It's all about achieving our dreams, our vision, and being a good leader while doing so. We talked about that bear in the title, Chase the Bears. That's the metaphor. That's your vision, your dream. And we talked about the message that he wants to get across to those who read his book. It's inspirational, motivational. And he gave some little things that we can do to achieve big dreams. Little things, little steps, little shorts amount of time. I like that. It's very good. And that fits in with what I talk about in doing and accomplishing one vision, where at the end, you need to have those little steps. Absolutely true. And he shows how workable that is. We talked about our gift, our superpower. How do you know what that is and how to find it? We talked about so many other great points. Tell me, what did we discuss that resonated with you? Let us know. And let's help you move on your journey to success. 
Thanks. And remember, just take action. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Sow good seeds, do good deeds. And join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Urso Show. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Tony D'Urso Show with Tony D'Urso. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, go enjoy the weekend.